Well, let me invite you to go in your copy of Scriptures to Colossians 3. If you're using one of the Bibles provided for you there in the seats, it's page 984. So this is the third message in a three-part series on uh, declaring war in 2020. We've been talking about um, uh, combating sin. We've been talking about uh, our own sanctification process. Remember, I've, I've tried to make clear the difference between justification and sanctification. Justification is uh, what the Bible refers to as a, a legal standing that we are before God. Um, and that's instantaneous, and that is uh, fully recognized in this life if we believe in Jesus, if we follow Him, ask Him to forgive us for our sins. Uh, the Bible talks about that as being justified, of, of that we don't have to worry about the penalty of sin anymore. We can have eternal life. We can have forgiveness. Uh, some people talk about that as going to heaven, uh, if you will. So uh, that's, that's justification. Sanctification is a process, okay? And so sanctification is us living out this life and into the next life of us being or, or conforming to or starting to look like what we are as we're justified, okay? So it's, it's our lives because we still have a sin nature in us. We still have a propensity to sin and do wrong things. We carry that with us. And just because you believe in Jesus, it doesn't mean that it totally goes away. We're always dealing with that. That's why Christians are a mess a lot of the times, right? Because we have a sin nature. But the difference is, is that we're justified and so that should cause us, if we're truly justified, to seek to grow in our Christian life, to seek us grow and become more like Jesus. And uh, some people refer to that as grow in holiness or, uh, or you know, things like that. The Bible talks about that, and we talked in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, it says, Paul says, put to death the works of the flesh, okay? And so that's what we've been talking about. That's what we've been talking about this, these last couple weeks and uh, about how we can take this seriously, and particularly in 2020, of declaring war on sin in our lives. And I've encouraged people to fill out one of those cards and submit it anonymously. And we've had, up to this point, 37 uh, different submissions of individuals, and some of those had more than one on them, okay? And so there has been a very good uh, uh, a turn in, uh, if I would say, of people sharing some of the things that they're struggling with, okay? And again, we ask people to keep that anonymous because we want, we want to help. We don't want to ever shame or put things, uh, put people on display or whatever. So when these things came in, um, obviously I, I didn't know uh, I don't know who is what, but I, I do know what people are saying they're struggling with. And so what I hope to do in the previous two messages, I hope to kind of give a, a, a motivation and a reason why we should be doing these things and we, reason why we should be walking and becoming more like Christ. Um, last week I talked about a high-level strategy of, of how this should play out and using the tools of the Spirit of God. What I hope to do this week is a little bit different. It's, it's a different kind of style probably of what I, what I typically do, and that is it's just much more practical. I'm still going to come from a text of Scripture because I believe that's important, that we always root everything from a text of Scripture. But I, I, I'm just going to take some, some time today to try to give some practical advice on combating sin, okay? 
And we're going to list some of the things that have been submitted, and we're going to talk about some of those, and uh, just a, a couple strategies, if we could, for each one. So um, we're going to see how it goes, and just give some practical advice from God's Word on how to deal with sin. And so the text I have before us is uh, Colossians 3, and I think in the bulletin it says 1 through 17. Uh, I'm not going to read that entire uh, uh, text but you can study it. It's a good text for you to read uh, on your own. But in verse 1, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. It's a sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away. And he gives some more lists there. In verse 12, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. And so we're going to look at this text of Scripture and some others about how we can have some practical advice on combating sin. But let's pray and ask God's blessing before I go any further. Father, I, I want to pause and ask for you to Help me as I communicate uh, everything I say. I want it to be uh, accurate to the text and, and biblically based. And uh, I want to communicate in a way that's helpful uh, to people. And, and the only way that's going to happen is your spirit to help us because um, I don't have the, the, the skill set or, or the, uh, the ability to change minds or change hearts. And that, that's just, it's just outside of what anyone can do. And so we depend on you for that. And I pray that each of us would be able to focus in on, on, on this topic, and I pray that we'd be sensitive to what your Spirit may be pressing upon us, and that we wouldn't resist, and that we would interact with this, uh, uh, with this these concepts that we're talking about here today. And I pray that we'd be able to put aside distractions, distractions for a little bit here and, and focus in on this. And we want this for your namesake and for your glory and for your honor. Uh, we just sang a song, Show Us Christ. And, and we want to see the power of Christ uh, uh, and display here in the sermon and then in our lives. And so we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So what I hope to do today is to show you three things. One is that I'm going to suggest that we live relationally from this text, that we live rationally, and then we also live radically, okay? So relationally, uh, um, rationally, and radically, okay? This is the way that, that we're going to frame our discussion this morning. So first of all, I, I'm going to, I submit from verse 1 that we should live relationally. It says this, it says, "'If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above.'" Now, you have to understand the word if there, the way that it's written, it's, and we use the word if in the same way in the English language, but it, it actually means since, okay? So if I would say something like, um, you know, for, uh, if I'm speaking to a, a, a teen a audience, and I say, look, if you're a teen here, you need to know this. Well, what am I saying? I'm saying it's you, it's all of you, right? Okay? And so this is what he's saying here, the way it's written is like, if you're raised, raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above. 
And he's pointing back to chapter 2 and verse 20 when he talks about being put to death with Christ. And so what he's really talking about, Paul, who wrote this, is he's saying that when we're a Christian, our identity is all in Jesus, okay? And so we identify in his death, but we also identify in his resurrection. It shows that we've died to a former life and we're being raised to a new life. And so this is what we're talking about is this living out this new life here. And so, but we can only live a, a good life and, and I hesitate to use it that way, but we can only live a life that is pleasing to God. Again, there's limitations with that, but is if we are in the power of Christ or if we are in Christ, okay? And so this is the re- one of the aspects of the relational parts that I, I'm uh, encouraging us to think about. So what we need to do is we need to really fight against relational amnesia because a lot of times we forget of our identity. We forget who we are. We forget that, yes, I am a servant of Christ or yes, I am in Christ, okay? And so when I wake up in the morning, you know, my, my goal in life should be formed and framed by my identity that I am in Christ, okay? So how I treat my wife and how I treat my kids and my work ethic and, and my interactions with other people, all of those things things should not be framed solely around the fact that I want people to like me or that it will be in my best interest to do those things, but really what should form and frame how I live my life and the decisions that I make is that I'm in Christ. Since you're in Christ, uh, seek the things that are above. And so Living So practical advice is if we're dealing with some of the sins that we're struggling with, is do you think about, remember who you are. So fight against relational amnesia. Remember that if you're a believer in Christ, that's your primary identity. That's who he saved you to change you, to bring you into that relationship with him. And so you got to preach to yourself that, say, listen, I am one of his children. And so I'm going to live in such a way that it is, I am as if one of his children. So there's a relational amnesia thing that we got to fight against. But there's also this relational ambivalence that we also have to fight against. And, And that is found in the sense that I like being by myself or I don't need other people. Because if we're in Christ, okay, raised with Christ, that talks about that we are part of the body of Christ. And Ephesians 4 talks about this, and I won't take time to turn there. But if you were to go to Ephesians chapter 4, particularly verses 15 and 16, you would find that it talks about how the the body of Christ, Jesus is the head, and we're supposed to be working together, and we're supposed to be pushing each other and helping each other grow, okay? And so when I talk about the practical advice here is, first of all, live relationally, okay? Remember who you are. Fight the uh, relational amnesia. Remember that you are first and foremost God's child. Again, I'm speaking to people who claim to be Christians. Maybe you're here today and this isn't you, okay? And the step one for you is to ask God to forgive you of your sins and believe in him. And the Bible says you will be forgiven. It's a wonderful thing, a wonderful message of the Bible. If you want more questions about that, there's a lot of people here that would love to talk to you about that. But first of all, relational amnesia, but then there's the relational ambivalence. Like I talked about, it's this idea of, I don't need anybody else. Here's a a tremendously important piece of practical advice. If you're going to combat sin, some of those things, those 37 submissions that came in, every one of them can be helped if you invite someone else into the journey. And so, you know, having people help is super important. This last week, I came across 
a video, uh, and I, I cut it down a little bit to keep it shorter. But I wanted to show you, it's, it's, of, a, it's of a race, okay? And so I want you to kind of pay attention to what's happening here. It's a short little clip, about 15 seconds or so, of uh, this race. So go ahead and run the clip, and you can see this race. Maybe. Okay, so the audio and video is a little not synced, but that's okay. Okay, so the video stops there. Okay, you can go ahead and stop there. So he, did you notice anything unusual about that race? Anything unusual? You can, go, you, you can talk. It's okay. They're paired up, right? Okay, and so they're paired up. Now, the reason why is because one of the, race, one of the runners is blind. Okay, so the guy on the left, uh, David Brown, gold medalist, uh, it was Rio in the Paralympic Games, uh, running gold medals, and he's completely blind. And he ran that race, but he's paired up with somebody else, right? And so that they could get across the finish line. I, when I saw that, I thought, this is, this is so good. This is such like how we need to look at our life because there are so many, we all have blind spots. We all have things that we just don't see, and we need someone else to help us with those things. And we need someone to come alongside of us and run with us and encourage us to get us across the finish line. And so live relationally means that we, we, we put aside the, the idea of that we can do this on our own. Listen, if God has convicted you of a sin, okay, and, and we've been talking about this, and there's something maybe that's been pressed upon your heart, and, you know, some of the things, you know, we've got, you know, judging others and pornography, and we've got respect, and we've got procrastination, and we've got self-harm, and we've got poor health choices and impatience and discouragement. We've got all sorts of things that are on the list, and there's many more. Every single one of those, you will be much better if you invite someone into the journey with you. Okay? If you say, listen, I'm struggling with this, or I need help with this, your success rate will be so much higher. And I'm telling you, the enemy wants us to keep it to ourselves. The enemy wants us to not tell anyone or not talk to anything about it, talk to anyone about it, because that's where we get defeated. And so we all are, are like these runners here in that some of, we all have blind spots. We all have things that we need help with. We all have deficiencies that we need help with that someone else has to help us. It doesn't mean that they're better than us. It doesn't mean that they're superior to us. It just means that they're willing to strive side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's what Paul wrote to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2, by the way that we strive, or Philippians 1, that we strive side by side for the faith of the gospel. And so Ecclesiastes verse four, or chapter 4, 9 through 12 says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. But if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has another to lift him up. And again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man may prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A three-fold cord is not quickly broken. And so what Solomon's writing there in Ecclesiastes, he's just saying that, listen, this is, you know, there's, there's strength in numbers. That's a, a common way of putting it. There's uh, that we need help. We can't walk this alone. Think of even when Jesus sent out the disciples. He sent them out in pairs, right? Okay, and so this is just a pattern of the, how God has set it up is that we don't, try to live this life alone. 
That doesn't mean you have to have a life partner, but in terms of like a romantic marriage or something like that. But you should have someone in your life where you're inviting into to help you on the sanctification journey. So we all need to invite someone to help us on our sanctification journey. So invite someone to, uh, that you trust to ask some hard questions. So for instance, uh, one of the things that come up, I've got the list here, uh, we've had you know, um, uh, sexual desires, we've had pornography, we've had things like that. Well, let me tell you, a way to combat that, because pornography is so accessible. And by the way, this isn't just a men problem, it's a male problem. Uh, statistics are showing that uh, more and more females are, 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 are using pornography as well. And so it, it, it's primarily a male problem. I will, t- I will say that it's a majority, but it's, it's getting higher even in the female realm. So the point is this, is that you know, if, if, if we want to fight this very, very accessible uh, sin, okay, we're going to need some outside help. Um, we're going to need to, even if it's not a temptation now, just make sure that you don't go down that road. And so we all have internet devices. You know, I got my phone down there, and, and you know, I, I, I do remember the days before cell phones, you know, okay, all right, okay. I remember not having phones, and I remember the first phone I got. Um, you know, it was, it was a dummy flip, you know, it flipped, but it really didn't do anything, you know what I'm talking about, you know, so the mic was still in the main thing, but it just looked cool to have a little flip function, I guess, and so, you know, I, I had that, and, but there was, there was not even text messaging, I know for some of the younger people, in the, you know, here today, I'm blowing their minds here, okay, and this was before YouTube, let me tell you, okay, all right, and so, so I remember these things, and some of you are like, yeah, Jeremy, I remember way before that, right, okay, but the point is this, and then, you know, the first phone I had, um, you know, it couldn't even send a text message, okay? It was just really cool that it wasn't bolted to the wall, all right? Um, but then as technology increases, right, you get, you get, you can start sending text messages, and you had these, like, little tiny screens, and then you'd wear your thumbs out, you know, to send in, you know, a, a text message of, hey, meet me in five minutes, and you'd have to hit a button about 87,000 times to send that message. Well, then the screens get bigger and bigger, and next thing you know, you got video chat, and you got all this stuff. With that, with the good, there's always the bad, and with the bad is that the, the accessibility to pornography is extremely high now. Laptops, computers, it used to be that if you had a computer in your house, you know, it pretty much, you know, took up the living room, you know, all right, you know, big old monitor and things like that. Uh, Now, I mean, tablets and things, all I'm saying is those are wonderful pieces of technology, wonderful things that can be used in so many good ways, but it's also very dangerous, okay? And so what I would say is that we have to be very vigilant about what we're allowing on those technologies technological devices. So there's the thing that we use in our family. It's called Covenant Eyes, and this is one of those practical pieces of advice. I'm not getting any money by saying this. There's other things out there that are similar to it, but it's, it's helpful because what it is is that you set up uh, one or two or how many people you want who will then be like an accountability partner. You know, so I've got these set up on my devices, and so I could go to any website I want to. I can type in any website hit enter, and it will take me there, good, bad, or indifferent. But it'll get logged, and 
the people whom I've set up uh, as, as my accountability partners, they're going to see that. And if there's like some, you know, a, a flag or something like that, it's going to say, hey, talk to, talk to them about this. Um, in my case, Anouk is one of the people who sees that. And once in a great while, she'll say, so you got this like warning on it or something like that. And, you know, and it, it was benign or something like that. But, you know, I like the fact that she's like, hey, talk to me about this or whatever. Um, and, um, you know, it's just great accountability uh, for that. So let me encourage you, if this is one of the things that you're fighting with, you need to get something like that, okay? Don't, don't kid yourself and say, well, I'll be fine. I'm, I'm just going to, I just won't do it anymore. I'm just going to stop. No, you will. You will do it again. If you don't have someone that's checking in on you and helping you with that, you're not going to do it because we have to live relationally. We have to invite people into this. So that's just one example that another person wrote in one of their says, well, watching TV or movies that are in opposition to my convictions. Well, you know, again, we have a difference in technology where you can watch things in a different way. Uh, it used to be there's one TV in the house and he had three channels, right? Okay. Um, and, you know, I remember uh, when my dad got a TV with the first remote control and his name was Jeremy. Okay. <laughs> All right. Jeremy, go change the channel. You know? <laughs> so you go and you change the channel until you found what he wanted. But the point is, is that now TV is streamed and TV shows are streamed and, and stuff in any device and anywhere. Just be very cautious about that. So again, there's some of the accountability things that we're talking about. But also, I would encourage you to log what you're watching. Okay. So if you know that some of the things that you're watching aren't good or they're, they're, they're harmful to your convictions... Make a list of it, because I'm telling you, if you start writing down what you're watching, and you see you write this show down, you're just like, oh, man, you know, I don't want anyone to see that I'm watching this. Well, then that may, you might, you know, that's probably a good indication that you need to have a conversation with someone or just not watch it. And so these are just some practical things I'm trying to help with. Another person said laziness, time management, um, to invite someone else into that. You know, share some weekly goals with someone and ask them to check in with you. So you see someone, you write, here's what I want to accomplish this week. I want to accomplish these two things or these three things. Ask me in a week. Send me a note in a week if I did it. Those are some ways that help. All I'm saying is that, uh, that you need to invite other people into this. So that's live uh, relationally, okay? Now, the second part is, and again, I, I got to make sure I'm budgeting my time appropriately here, but the second part is that I see from this text is live rationally. Now, how do I get that? It says, um, it says in verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not that are things are in the earth or on the earth, okay? And so this is the idea of that the, much of the battle, okay, most of the fight for sanctification takes place in your mind, okay? It, it, it really does. Most of the fight for holiness and the fight to follow Christ and to live a sanctified life, whatever it is, it's really in the mind, okay? It's, it's an internal manifestation of, of, of that sin nature that we're struggling with, okay? Most people aren't coming up to me and trying to, you know, get me to sin, you know? They're not trying to tempt me to sin. That's coming from within. And so... Uh, I need a, a way to combat this, according to Colossians here, is that we, we transform our minds, or we, we, we have to set our minds on things that are above. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, 
It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, okay? That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so if we're going to not be conformed, if we're going to be transformed into the image of Christ, what's the battleground of that? Well, it's the mind, okay? And this is why biblical input is crucial to our lives, This is the reason why we get with other Christians. This is the reason why we sing songs. This is the reason why we hear messages preached. This is the reason why we read the Bible. This is the reason why we listen to podcasts and things like that. Because we need our minds renewed, okay? We need uh, our, our minds being set on things that are above, not on things of this earth. And so let me give you a couple practical pieces of advice. Two things. Number one, uh, there's a version Bible app. If you don't have this, you need to download it, okay? It's a great resource. Um, most of the people, when they talk to me about reading God's Word, they say, I just don't have a plan, or I don't know what a plan is. Version Bible app has a, a million and one uh, um, uh, plans that you can choose from. And I know several of you use it already. Uh, curious, how many of you have this app on your phone? Raise your hand. All right, Okay. I'll rephrase it. How many use this app? <laughs> okay, okay. The first one is you have it because we all have apps on our phones. The second one is whether we use it or not. Okay, I knew a lot of you do, okay? And these are good because there's also, you can also live relationally with this, is that there's a, there's a networking function. Now, personally, this isn't something that I utilize. Um, I, I, I kind of old school with, with my Bible reading and plan, but I know that that has helped a lot of people. So let me just encourage you to do that. The next thing, a practical piece of advice I want to give you about daily intake is a devotional. And uh, I strongly recommend New Morning Mercies uh, by Paul David Tripp. It's a great book where there's about a one page uh, per day to read, okay? So we're not talking, you got to read 20 pages or something like that. This is one page where there's a Bible passage that he refers to, and then he kind of talks about it, Okay. It's incredibly helpful. Um, I, uh, I've really enjoyed it. And this is one that I give to people at times. And so I know I've given some, uh, even here, a copy of that. So let me encourage you. These are two ways to, ha- to help with biblical intake, okay, of the renewing of the mind. Every day we've got to be saturating ourselves in God's Word because we are being saturated. Or we are so much more influenced by our culture than we would like to admit. Our minds and our thinking and the way we think about things are, are impacted by what we live in and in our environment in so many ways. And so we've got to change minds, set our minds on things that are above. We've got to influence the environment that we're swimming in every day. And so let me encourage you, maybe you this will help you as you think through things. Um, there's another, I don't have a, a, a graphic or anything for it, but I would encourage people to listen to uh, like something like Al Mohler's podcast, uh, uh, The Briefing. And what he does with that is he, it's about 20, 25 minutes every day, and he talks about news and current events, but from a Christian standpoint of like, okay, how, how should the Christian be thinking through some of these current events and major world news? And it's, it's very helpful. So that's Al Mohler's The Briefing. It's a great um, uh, podcast for that. Um, so biblical intake is crucial to this. So devotions, Bible reading plans, uh, Bible memory is also very important uh, to this. And 
uh, you know, I was thinking through this is, you know, there are so many passages. Like, you know, one person wrote on here uh, judging others. They, that was something that they were, uh, there's a couple people actually that listed having a judgmental spirit towards other people. Well, you know, Colossians 3, 7, in this you too once walked when you were living in them. I mean, that's a great verse to have in mind. It's like when we're starting to think down on other people and we said, man, I can't believe that they would do this. In this, you too once walked, all right? You know, that's a good verse to have loaded and ready to go and just say, okay, you're, you know, you're right. I am no better than them. This is, you know, they have their struggles. I have my struggles as well. Having verses like that on the tip of your tongue and the front of your mind are incredibly important. Someone wrote a struggling marriage on that. Look, in Ephesians 5, 25, husbands love your wife even as uh, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for it. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 1 and 2 talks about the wife uh, loving her husband even if he isn't doing what he should be doing. Uh, then I, I've often given this too to uh, couples in, in marriage counseling. Matthew five forty three. Love your enemies, okay? <laughs> All right? Uh, so if you're supposed to love and show love to your enemies, surely you're supposed to show love to your spouse. These are all verses that are good to have in the forefront of our minds. Um, idols, um, you know, someone wrote idols on there of, 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 you know, having hard affections towards the wrong things is what I'm sure they mean by that. Um, Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory will I not give to any other, neither praise to graven images. That verse has, has come back to me many times when I'm starting to want you know, attention or I'm starting to want the idol of, of people's approval. Uh, fear of man is another word for that. Isaiah 42, 8 comes to my mind. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory will I not give to any other, neither praise to any carved images. It's like, okay, no, all glory goes to Christ. You know, these verses are really important to have um, memorized. Um, uh, Self-harm, at least two submissions talked about self-harm. I think of Psalm 139, verse 14, that David says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, that's a verse that you got to have. If you're struggling with some self-harm stuff, Think through, okay, who am I in Christ, and how was I formed, okay? What does the Bible say about that? Philippians chapter 4 talks about think on things that are true, because when we're struggling with temptations, we're not thinking correctly, we're not thinking right, and in particular when it comes to like self-harm or something like that, we're thinking that, we're not thinking in the right way, and that's where we go, no, God has made me how he wants me to be made for his glory, for his honor, and uh, these verses can help with that. I, I know this to be true because I, I have a personal story with this from when I was a very young boy. I, I, was, I was probably Isaiah's age, probably even younger. I was probably four, maybe three years old. And I remember living in, in a house and where my bedroom was uh, in Michigan there. There was a, uh, in the second level. Um, every night I couldn't sleep because I was scared. I was scared and I couldn't fall asleep, and I would tell my mom, I can't sleep, I'm scared, and she would say, what are you scared of? And I would say, I'm scared of someone's going to break into the house, and because someone had tried to break into 
uh, our home there in Michigan uh, right before I was born, and I'd heard that story. And so I was afraid that, you know, now that they got another kid, they're going to come in, you know, and so they're going to they're gonna break in and, and come through my bedroom window. And that was something I, I, was, I was scared of. I remember mom telling me the first few nights, she said, you know, don't worry about it. It's okay. We're safe, you know. And I remember her, her trying to appeal to me on a rational level. She would say things like, Jeremy, you're, you're on the second floor. How, how are they going to come in there? And so, you know what I said? I said, well, they'll use a ladder. And she's like, we don't have a ladder. Where are, you gonna, where are they going to get the ladder? I said, the next door neighbor has a ladder. They can steal that ladder, and they can come down here. Right? You've all had these conversations with a three-year-old, right? Okay? Okay? And so, so I remember her trying to appeal to me on a rational level, and it was making zero difference at all. I had an answer. I had a fear. I had everything. And I remember one night, mom coming in to me. She said, Jeremy, I read this in my Bible today. I want to share it with you. It's in Psalms. It says, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. That's what David said. Whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. She says, so this is what you need to do, Jeremy. The next time you're afraid and you're feeling like a robber's going to come into your house, I want you to quote that verse. I want you to pray to God. I want you to say, God, you are with me. I'm going to trust you that you're going to keep me safe. I'm going to trust you tonight, okay? She goes, that's what I want you to do. And so I did. And you know, I have zero memory of being afraid after that. I don't, I'm not saying I never was. I'm just saying my memory, I cannot remember struggling with that again. I was grateful that my mom gave me a Bible verse to hold on to. And so there's this idea of rationally thinking things from a biblical basis. And so input is, biblical input is crucial because this is how our mind is renewed and we need to think differently. And when we think, we read the scriptures, we're going to think through things in a different way. So for instance, one person wrote on here, uh, the one thing that they're struggling with is hating my boss and my job. Boy, I you know, I think we've all, or a lot of us have been there, where we just do not like the job that we're at. I remember in college, trying to pay my way through school and working at a, 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 you know, a fiberglass factory. You know, that's not fun, okay? You know, from like 3 p.m. to like 1 or 2 a.m. every day and going home and trying to do homework after that. I just remember hating that, okay? So, so I, I understand that, but Here's where a renewed mind will help you with that, is that if you see your job as a mission field, if you see your job as that you are sovereignly placed there, if you see that your situation is, okay, this is something where God has placed me in for the time being. I'm not saying that you, never, you always have to stay there. I'm not saying you can't look for uh, advancement or look for promotion or look for transfer or look for a different job. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that while you're there, you need to see it as a place where God has sovereignly placed you. And then it's a mission field where you're supposed to reflect the glory of Christ. And then concerning your boss, do you pray for him or her? Do you pray for them? Because I found that when I start praying for people, it's a lot harder for me to hate them. And see, this is, this is a renewed mind, okay, that I'm trying to talk about here. Think rationally, like, okay, what is the current situation? You know, Monday's coming, and you're going to go to this job, and you're like, ah, I hate this job. Ugh. You know, okay. That's the time for you to say, okay, I need to think about this from a different angle. I need to think about this from God's perspective. He's got me here. Um, I'm hoping he takes me out. Jesus, 
He's, he wanted to leave the Garden of Gethsemane, and he asked God to remove that, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's a biblical principle for you to hang on to if this is something you're struggling with. Uh, one person talked about comfort, or actually a couple people. You know, one thing you can do there, go on a mission strip, <laughs> read biographies of Christians, watch the dispatches from the front videos. All these type of things will help you realize that the comfort isn't as, uh, as good as, as we, we make it out to be. So my point is this is that we need to think rationally. We need to change our thinking. Um, and so sometimes our sanctification means that it's, it's a way of altering how we think, the renewal of the mind, uh, set our minds on things that are above. And that is only going to come through biblical intake, okay? Scriptural intake uh, through conversations, through fellowship with other believers, through singing, through songs, podcasts, listen to some podcasts, Bible memory, Bible reading, all those types of things, prioritize a biblical intake, and this will help in the combination of sin. So live relationally, live rationally, and then in the next few minutes to wrap this up, live radically. Live radically. Uh, this is when we find out this idea of put it to death, verse 5 in Colossians 3. It's pretty radical. Put to death. Put on, verse 12. He's talking about these radical choices that we need to make. And this is not unusual. We've talked a little bit about this before. Jesus, even in the Sermon on the Mount, talks about this. Parenthetical statement, by the way, here. Every sin or every struggle that's on this list here, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, pretty much every one of them is going to be addressed by the Sermon on the Mount in some way. Okay? And that's Matthew 5, 6, and 7 if you're interested in reading that. Um, so, but even in that sermon, when Jesus is preaching, he talks about this radical life that we're supposed to, the radical action that we're supposed to take place. Metaphorically, he says in Matthew chapter 5, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body being thrown into hell. Now, we know that it's a metaphor because simply tearing an eye out isn't going to change the sin nature inside of us, okay? You know, the thoughts and things like that, they're, they're still going to be in our heart. But what he is saying there is he's saying take radical steps to remove temptation. Take radical steps to grow in these things. Otherwise, you're not going to grow. And he says, and that may mean putting aside some freedom for this life. That may mean losing some accountability. That may, uh, or, or losing some independence and, and autonomy. That was the word I was looking for. And, and that may mean losing some of that. But it's important for now to have that loss, to have the eternal gain. Uh, this verse has been helpful to me in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. And some of the struggles that I'm dealing with are, are being addressed by this. And this is a verse that I'm quoting to myself, and I'm trying to adjust things in my life, because it's like, I don't want to be dominated by anything. I don't, want to, I don't want to always give in to a craving. I don't want to always have to, uh, you know, do whatever I feel like doing. I, want to, I don't want to be dominated by that. And so we have to make some radical decisions sometimes. So let me talk about that for a minute, and then we'll land this plane, and we'll be done. In order to do it, and, and I struggled with using this illustration, or this analogy is better, because it could easily be misunderstood. And I'm going to give some warnings about this. But what, what we really do need to, to give a mental picture is we need to build some fences in 
our lives, okay? And what I mean by that, an offense is, offense is something to keep something in or keep something out. Um, we're keeping ourselves in uh, from going too far. We're keeping outside forces from coming in. And again, you've got to be really careful with this because, and I'm going to give some reasons why here in a minute, but I still think it's helpful enough that that is a helpful enough word picture for us to think about how we're living our lives. So what fences have you put up in your life to keep you from doing whatever, you know, maybe you submitted on this list here? Um, you know, someone wrote alcohol on there. And, you know, there's, there's a variety of opinions on, on alcohol and the Christian. And I know it's represented widely you know, in our church. Some people are absolute uh, teetotalers and say no Christians should drink any alcohol. Other people say it's in moderation. It's okay as long as we're not getting drunk. So the prohibition is not against alcohol. It's against drunkenness. So where, wherever you fall on that category. A fence to put in, though, if alcohol is a struggle, then don't keep it in the house. Okay? Just don't. If, if you're someone who's landing on the side of, you know, Christians can have alcohol, but, you know, uh, just don't get drunk or whatever. Just don't even have it in the house. If this is a struggle, get rid of it. Um, my struggle, one of my struggles is not with alcohol, but it's with uh, Coke and Dr. Pepper. Coke as in the soft drink, not, not, not. Just want to clarify that, okay? All right. Um, so, you know, that, that's a struggle for me. I'll be the first to admit it. Okay, love the stuff. Verner's is also great. Um, you know, I'm an equal opportunist in my avenue to diabetes. So, um, but, but that is something that I just, I, I just you know, it's, it's way too easy for me to have way too much of it. So um, a step, and it's not far enough when we're talking about this, but a step is we typically don't keep it at our house. I tell Anuk, don't buy it. And uh, if we do... Um, it's for when people are coming over or something, um, or the only time I'll, I'll have it, and this is where I've allowed it, is if we're having a pizza night, I'll have one thing of Coke at home. Um, but that's not because Coke is evil or whatever. It's just I know that if it's there, I'm going to drink it. I just know that about me. I wish I could say that I was more disciplined than that. I wish I could say that I could have a fridge full and it would have no appeal to me, but I know if I've got a fridge full, guess what? I'm going to be drinking it, and it's not good for me, and I, I don't want to be dominated by it, and for too long, it was a domination in my life, so that's something I'm just saying. Don't buy it. Don't keep it in the house. We talked about pornography already with covenant eyes. That should be a fence that we put in our life um, uh, for that wasting time, um, set timers, uh, even smartphones have, you know, screen time uh, limitations now. Use those type of things. These are all practical ways for you to build something into your life to say, okay, I, okay, it's one thing to say I'm going to fight this, and it's one thing to say I know I shouldn't be doing this. Now we got to talk about how, what are you going to put into your life? What are you going to put on, and what are you going to put off? Okay, that's what this text says, in order to achieve uh, you know, getting rid of that sin. I need to say this about, about fence building, though, and, and there's some advice to this, because we, we, could, we can make some wrong, wrong turns here. First of all, any fence that you build has to be realistic, okay? So it would be unrealistic for me to say, you know, let's say, um, let's say I'm struggling with anger, okay? 
and so I'm looking at building fences, it would be unrealistic for me to say, I'm never going to be angry again. Okay, I am going to make sure that uh, I never uh, talk with someone if I'm feeling like I'm angry. Well, that's, that's unrealistic, okay, because you can't always control those, 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 valuable, those, those variables. But you can make fences in your life that are like, okay, um, we're, we're not going to do this in this situation or, or whatever the case may be. And so make sure whatever fence we're building, that they're, they're, they're realistic. This is the second one that is crucial, okay? Any fence that you build, they are personal. They're not prescriptive, okay? This is crucial. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is because this is where a lot of Christians have gone off the rails. I've made a thing in my head, like, we're not going to keep popping our house. We're not going to keep it in our house because, you know, I'll just drink too much of it. That's personal. It becomes prescriptive when, you know, I head over to the Hurlbut's house and then I see, you know, pop in their fridge, and I'm like calling the elders and saying, we got to pray for these people. You know, I mean, they, they, they've got pop. They are, they are not, they're, they're being dominated by this, right? See, that's when my personal fence, uh, fence uh, has become a prescription then. Can't do that. Can't do that, okay? So keep them personal don't make them prescriptive. So just because you have this, you know, don't make it so that everyone else has to buy, buy, buy it. Otherwise, you know, or, or think that, that they're not loving Jesus or whatever. That be, that's how judgmentalism comes in. That's how we start looking down on other people. So fences are personal. They're not prescriptive. Also, super important, the reason why I have to put these clarifications in there, fences are only a means to an end. They are not the end. Okay, so I've got the fence of pop in my home. I could say, great, I'm good. I've got this fence, you know, I'm okay. No, 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 Because if I'm just thinking all the time about, oh, I so wish I could have a pop. I so wish I could have this. I so wish I could. You know, then it's still dominating me. Okay, the fence is only a means to help me get past the domination. It's not the end in itself, okay? And again, this is where we make mistakes, is that we set up something, a rule, a standard, whatever we want to call it, in our life, and we think that that's the end. And we think, okay, well, I don't do it, so I must be okay. But if our heart is still longing for these things, then we still have work to do. And so just keep in mind, Fences are only means to an end, they're not the end. And finally, I would say this, that fences lead to progress, not perfection, okay? It's not going to make you perfect. It's not going to make it so that everything is great. All it's going to do is help you um, in your quest for holiness. So going back to pornography one, and we have uh, uh, you know, covenant eyes installed and something like that. There still is going to be indwelling sin. There's still going to be an indwelling desire to see things or something like that. And that's the time you still got to confess those. It's not about, oh, okay, well, I've installed the software program, so now I'm, I, God must be pleased. It's, it's, we're, we're working towards the end of holiness, of right decisions and purity, not simply just because we put up a fence or a wall, then we're okay. So let me bring this to a close. We need to declare war on sin. We've talked about that. We've, we've encouraged you to do that. Cards have been turned in. It's been wonderful to, to pray over these and, and pray for people in our congregation. And I encourage you to do the same. 
But we have to then live real, uh, relationally, invite people into the path, into your life. That's crucial. We have to live rationally. We have to have biblical input consistently. And then we have to live radically. We have to make tough decisions in order for us to progress in our sanctification journey. So let me give you some homework, and then we'll pray. So ask yourself these three questions. Who have I invited to help me grow spiritually? So, so is there a name that you can think of right away? It's like, okay, I've invited this person in to help me in this. And don't think just generically like, oh, well, you know, you know I, I go to church and I have a pastor and we have elders. And, and so I, I've, I, by coming to church, I'm inviting them into my life. No, 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 no. Okay? No. Who are you talking to and saying, look, I, I, I'm struggling with this right now. Can you help me with that? You say, well, that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, I get it. But the point is, everybody in here is struggling with something, okay? That was one of the reasons why I wanted people to submit these things, and I could share some of them, is so that you can see this and say, okay, I'm not the only one who's a mess, all right? Everyone is, and we're all struggling with these things. And, and, and it may be different, but we're still struggling with stuff. So I'm hoping that you just see that you can, you know, a, you know, a friend, maybe someone in your small group, uh, a spouse, somebody, you know, pray about that, but invite someone into your life. So ask yourself, who have I invited to help me grow spiritually? Secondly, what is my plan for biblical input in my life? What is your plan to have the Bible and, and biblical thinking infused into your life? Write down, you know, write down, okay, how, how am I ensuring that this happens? And then maybe think about how you can improve that if that's a weakness. And then the last thing is I want you to consider is what is one fence that I need to build? Some of you were thinking about the sins that you're struggling with as I've been talking today. And that's good. But now take it a step further and say, okay, what do I need to do to help me in that? So then as you do, the caution is, you know, that's personal, it's not prescriptive, and it's only a means to the end, okay? So some homework to help you as we progress in this journey. Let's pray, and then we'll sing. Father, um, kind of a different type of message and time. I, I pray that it's helpful. I pray that uh, looking at Colossians 3 as a springboard to this discussion would, uh, would be helpful to us, and I pray that we would uh, live uh, relationally and, and rationally and, and radically. Um, as we seek holiness and seek to follow you. Lord, we love you. You are worthy of our worship, and you are worthy of holy living. And we can only do it through your spirit's sake, your empowerment, and for your name's sake. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.